Just hit a button, Morty. Give me a beat. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Um. Houston, Texas, the city that's always scorching hot in the one week of beautiful weather. This is Vala the Bala coming to you with Nabil the Real Deal. What did Nabil, you do, bro? I got a question for you, brother. Talk to me, fam. What's good? Got some Rockets trivia I want to ask you to open this bad boy up. Oh, God. Okay? Let's do it. On the Houston Rockets basketball reference website, mm-hmm. it lists all-time players for the Houston Rockets in order uh-huh. of Hakeem Olajuwon. There's 12 of them. Yep. Hakeem Olajuwon. James Harden. Uh-huh. Calvin Murphy. Uh-huh. Who's number four on this list? Elvin Hayes. Elvin Hayes doesn't even come close. It's Rudy Ooh. Tomjanovich. Rudy Tomjanovich. Wow. <laughs> you got uh, Moses Malone, RIP, number five. Oh, RIP. Moses, damn. He's dude, he used MVP. to hoop at the yeah. HBU rec center. Yes. Um, I seem like the gym. He's a very nice guy. He was a very nice man. He always demanded presents in the room <laughs> did you did you get the presents i mean i hooped up on them so i Ooh. had to give them some presents Ooh. then yao ming at number six of course we'll, we won't devolve any more after that but we bring you that trivia to let you know that we're giving you some houston rockets pod talk today damn we haven't talked rockets in a while man what's going minute. on what are you have you been keeping up with the team is this is the the losing streak the tankathon Drop your interest. Dude, How do you feel about this Rockets team? We were talking about this on the walk over here, right? I think we're we're getting to the point now where we're surprised that they win a game. You know, like just two, three years ago, the the whole rhetoric that we had around this was, oh, you know, we're pretty much granted a number one seed. We're gonna be a top three seed. You know, winning comes out of normal, and, and and then now we're at the point where we're surprised when they actually win a game or even competitive. Um, and I mean, shoot, we just saw the the Miami Heat game right now, where Bam and Jimmy are out, and we still lose by like twenty something. I think we've just gotten to the point, man, that it's, um, yeah, it's just sad. It, it's hard to keep up with the Rockets, but you try as homers, right? Like me and you have to do. They're fifteen and forty three now. Ooh. One of the two worst teams in the league. Pretty much every night, they bounce between being having the owning, I should say, because they are working hard to own this record. Of owning the worst record or the second worst record in the NBA, they're now fifteen and forty-three. Mm-hmm. They're not on pace to be the worst Rockets team of all time. That honor goes to the eighty-three team that netted them the number one overall pick in the eighty-four draft, who turned out to be the great Hakeem the Dream Olajuwon. Damn, that was an eighty-four, huh? That was eighty-four draft. Wow. One of the great, the greatest all time. Some would say. Yeah, I mean, what can you argue with Hakeem, MJ, Barkley? Those three by themselves, the top players at their position, three of the probably five to seven players in the league every year for the next next decade. Did Clyde come out that year? Did he he come out the year before that? Clyde was before because when Portland, yeah, so when Portland was thinking about trading that pick to Houston, along with Clyde. Right. For uh, the other big that Houston had, my mind's blanking right now. Ralph Sampson of the Twin Towers. Uh, Clyde was already on that team. They were yeah. attaching Clyde with the pick, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, that would have been a that's that's a history what if right there. So as far as the Rockets record goes, man, I I've made this point before on Twitter that I think this is the greatest tank team in recent history. Like what you have on paper with this team, even before the Oladipo trade, um, 
did not really reflect their record as far as what kind of talent they hosted on paper. Yeah. John Wall, still a productive point guard in this league, will give you 20 points, give you about seven or eight assists a game. He's got his issues that we'll talk about on the pod, but you had Victor Oladipo, a guy also capable of giving you 20 a game on pretty subpar efficiency. Uh, and then all the other guys, Christian Wood, 20 and 10 guy, was on pace to be an all-star all-star player if it wasn't for injuries and who I think would have been the most improved player if not for injuries. Um, and all the young talent, the core forward that we're going to get into. So it's sad to see that. It's sad to see you go from being a perennial top three team in the NBA, a title contender, every year really for the last seven years with James Harden on your team, to now you've got a team capable of winning that is doing their best to lose so that you can save that draft pick that OKC has their eyes on. Yeah. I mean, dude, it's it's crazy because I think we're looking at a lot of the players on this team and you know, individually all these guys can be solid rotation pieces. They could probably be on championship contenders, being, you know, giving you good minutes as well. Um but just the fit on this team, like it just doesn't fit. None of the roles I think are fully, uh, you know, fleshed out for what Steven Salas, I think wants to see in a successful team. Like I remember when watching that Dallas team, I feel like all the players knew what their roles were. And I think the roles uh, injuries have probably a lot to do with it, but the roles for each player keep changing every game as well. So I think it's hard to retain any kind of consistency, but I think the Houston Rockets are about to have the greatest garage sale in the history of uh, NBA talent for a while, because I think everybody on this team is on sale and i think the it just comes down to what the king ransom is going to be for any talent on this team right now and i'm excited to see what, what, what we can get for some of these players so i think the most important thing it's got to be the draft pick right yeah so okc has rights to swap draft picks with the rockets this year if basically the rockets don't finish as one of the four four worst teams in the nba or rather they don't finish with one of the four best picks in the draft is how it converts and the best way to maximize being at the top of the draft in the revised uh draft lottery rules that the nba rolled out just this year this is the first oh, year they changed going. it this year yeah talking more of the rule changes so essentially it. it doesn't you your odds don't maximize by being the worst team or even one of the worst seven teams you maximize your odds equally among the bottom three teams. So the bottom three teams all have an equal likelihood of the first overall pick. Okay. And then the rest of the lottery kind of goes evenly as well. Nice. It's very low. So very pretty low much odds. you're you're guaranteed if you're, if you're a horrendous team to get a top three pick, you can't be kicked out of the, the top four now. Right, right. So it somewhat incentivizes not tanking and being the absolute worst team. But in one the of the worst. But <laughs> one of the worst, which the Rockets have done an excellent job We're of. Doing phenomenal at this. So yeah, as long as you finish bottom three, you maximize those odds and you can hope you land somewhere in the top four of this draft so you can keep that pick and then you've got two other picks later in the first round that you can play around with do you want to package them and trade them to maybe move john wall's contract do you want to package them with eric gordon to get more talent you get a little flexibility here which again this is what we were going for with the james harden trade is flexibility draft picks and you hope to move those pieces for a young star which again there's Maybe one guy on this roster you could classify as such, but we'll get into that here in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking at some of the players on this team. I, I do enjoy the flexibility of seeing, hey, you know, you can probably turn this into that, uh, you know, turn this into that. But I, I think for me, it's just been the fact of knowing that um, 
we don't have a championship contender for probably some while, even if we do, you know, the following steps that are required for us to, you know, start building properly. I think we're a far cry from what we should essentially be to be able to compete in the West or the East. This is, these are all consequences of those trades, man. Mm -hmm. You know, when you traded for Chris Paul, you gave up a lot of pieces when you traded Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook. Yeah. You gave even more, you gave up even more. Yeah. Yeah. You gave up so much to, to maybe prime up, fire up the short term engines, but Long term, this team's stripped of assets. And yeah, completely. You're, you're in salary cap hell with John Wall yeah, and yeah. a few other guys that they're kind of tied up with for a while. Like Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon has to show up this upcoming year, man. He's Eric Gordon had a good season, too. You know, Injuries, he, he had 18 yeah. points a game, 44% from the field. Yeah. He looked like his drive was back. His shot was starting to come back-ish, even though he had one of his worst shooting seasons ever. But... Eric Gordon, man, four, as a 32-year-old guard with injury history problems, showing signs of injury, it's going to be hard to move that four-year contract for a 32-year-old. That's a, I think people will take it if it's on a contender. Like Milwaukee could use somebody like an Eric Gordon. You know, I, I think the, the the Sixers are fiending for somebody like Eric Gordon off the bench. I think the main thing for him is just going to be able to show, like, hey, Eric, if you want out of this Rockets team, which I'm sure he does at the age that he's in his career right now, I'm sure he wants to win a ring. I think both parties want out. So I, I think, you know, if that comes to the case where he's shown that, hey, he could go back, um, you know, help a championship contender, then I, I see that beneficial for him. So I think this next year is going to be a trial year for him, similar to what Oladipo had. And then I wouldn't be surprised if he's playing on par to meaning like a 15, 16 point score. You might be able to pick up a late first round pick or like, a, you know, a, a later second round pick maybe as well. You might be able to get some sort of draft capital for him. Yeah, if you can get a first-round pick out of Eric Gordon, that's that's a win for sure. I mean, I mean teams are desperate, right? Imagine the Clippers. Probably, I can imagine the Clippers trying to pay a first-round pick to get Eric Gordon. When we go to next year, he'll have three years left on his contract. Mm-hmm. I think the 2024 year is non-guaranteed. So really, he'd have two years left. He could still give you good production next year, I think, despite injuries and despite going into age 33. And then the year after, buy him out. Perfect buyout candidate. So Eric Gordon's movable. I'm not scared about him. But John Wall is the one that, of course, everyone kind of points to and says that, you know, you're not really making any solid moves until John Wall's off this roster, both in terms of roster building because of the space he occupies with the salary cap, but also in terms of opening up possessions for these young backcourt guys to develop. Yeah, I mean, I think what we look at it, there's one team in the league that I can pinpoint that has the cap space and the fit that would fit John Wall to a T, and I'm just waiting for them to pull the plug on it. And it's it's the Boston Celtics, right? I, I'm waiting for the Celtics to just pull the plug on the whole Kemba thing that it didn't work out for them right now in this, this stage of their careers um, or for the whole team. Pull the plug on Kemba and replace Kemba with John Wall, and I think it fits perfectly for them. I think it, it, makes, Kemba, uh, it makes John Wall the third option on a very talented uh, Boston team. And it gives them desperately a playmaker that they're looking for at a point guard position that can make his own shot. So I think that would work both ways. And, and Boston has cap space for days. Plus they have all the, uh, they have a lot of equity to be able to be able to take on that contract as well. So I'm waiting for John Wall to get to Boston, man. I think it's just a matter of time before it happens. And once it does, I think we could finally start looking to build that point guard position. Wait. So if you're Houston, mm-hmm. What are we doing here? Are we just swapping John Wall and Kemba Walker? If that's the case, what's Kemba Walker's contract look no, like? No, I'm not saying you keep Kemba or anything like that. I'm saying you just do whatever. You, Boston can do whatever they can to offload Kemba Walker. I'm just saying we get off, we get that off the books completely for them. 
pay them whatever we need to with mid-level exceptions, mid-level guys. You could probably do something of that nature. But I'm not saying you take on Kemba's contract. That, that'd be silly. Um, I'm just saying Boston can do whatever they want to. We can move We can move John Wall to, to Boston. Man, it'd be interesting. Maybe they can move Marcus Smart to us. He'd be a nice little placeholder or Tristan Thompson's contract. But regardless, I think they have the cap space to be able to do it. I don't think they'd be able to match it unless Kemba was included. In Kemba's that's, what I'm saying. that's something they could do with Kemba. Kemba they've got identical contracts. Three years. Kemba's is a little bit cheaper, but still. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't r- rule out a three-team trade for something like that either. So yeah, I if they want to make it happen, yeah, they'll make it happen for sure. Because yeah, I think that's something like John Wall must play for a contender. I assume Boston's a contender. I would. I would say with John Wall, if he could play like how he's been playing this year. Um, and yeah, we need to just get rid of that contract. It's really hard. I think what we talked about as well, like John Wall's the third or fourth highest plate paid player this year in the league, which is just ridiculous to think about. He's one of the highest paid point guards in the NBA. Yeah. Like he, by far, I think he's top three highest paid point guard in the NBA for sure, which is. Oh, easily top two or three yeah. highest paid players in the league. I think you're right. That's crazy. So, I mean, we, there's some way you gotta be able to get rid of that contract and you can't do much around it, um, with there. But then again, you always wonder as well of. Would having somebody like John Wall, former All-Star, still playing at an All-Star-esque level, I would say. Great locker room guy. Yeah, great locker room guy, right? Somebody who's done it the right way, quote-unquote, like done all the right things. So, you know, serve as a mentor. Other than for, the gang signs. Other than the gang signs. Gang, but, gang. But you're in H-Town, bro. You got to let that fly. Come on now. Um, but would he be a good, you know, mentor to whoever you decide to pick up in the draft that's going to be a potential point guard or somebody that's going to be potentially running the offense on this team? See, that's the whole argument for KPJ, right? Kevin Porter Jr., you're thinking that you want at least someone there that can show him a veteran like DJ Augustine. A lot of people were happy when they brought him over. Uh, but more someone who at an all-star level who has his head on straight, too, because that's an issue with KPJ. So I, I get that angle of it, but John Wall is such a high usage high volume score with such bad efficiency that you know i think reps and allowing young guys to develop with maybe more veteran role players on the team would be a better way to maximize what we get out of those guys as opposed to a john wall so who takes the point guard i guess the main thing i'm trying to look for in the future is are we just draft then if if we know that john wall is going to be leaving here and that leaves a gaping hole at the point guard position are you just looking to fill that with a Kate Cunningham, a Jalen Suggs, like, are, are, you, are we looking for somebody in the off season? Cause you're going to have to solidify that point guard role. For are we, her. are we just sleeping on Kevin Porter jr. Right now? He's going to be a shooting guard. Is he not? They're trying with all their heart to, to make turn him, the him into guard? the point guard of this team. So let, let's talk about KPJ. Go for it. Talk to me. Yeah. We haven't talked we, to him for a while. We got this guy mm-hmm. around a little before the trade deadline. Like when, when, second he, round pick, right? when he blew up in his, in the locker room incident in Cleveland, this guy was the last pick of the first round in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, last rather, I should say 2019. Okay. Wow. Pretty good rookie year. Had, had a few moments here and there, but really no, no consistency in the lineup. But Cleveland fans saw him as kind of their number one prospect. Despite Darius Garland and Colin Sexton that's kind of, making man. up Sexland in the back, that's so what? What a great nickname! Uh, they need to market that better. One hundred percent. No, but it's it's crazy to think that people had him that high, knowing that what Darius what Darius Garland and uh, what um, 
This is before what Colin Sexton started doing this. Year, yeah, I mean, Colin Sexton looks is looking like the truth right now. He's giving like twenty five a game, and he's he's looking like a monster right he now. He looks like a future All NBA guard yeah. for, without a doubt. Exactly. So him and Darius Garland look really good. Garland's playing well too. He's averaging like seventeen a night, I think. Um, so he's been solid too. Yeah. So I mean, to say that KPJ could be something like that, I I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, being twenty and getting these rotational these you know hard minutes. Uh, I don't put a beat up besides him, man. I think he still has a good, like, th- two, three years to still grow into whatever he wants and all, has all that leeway. I think the question is, like, can he actually, you know, sustain that growth? And I don't know what they're going to do to him because it's kind of hard to take on the NBA point guard position at age 20, man. That's that's kind of hard to just be thrown into that, into the Wolves. I hope they do, but I, I see him especially, less than a two-guard. Especially considering, you know, he's never been a point guard before. Yeah, other exactly. Than, other than his G League stint, he's always been a two-guard. So I think that's what you got right now. You know, whether you draft a guy like Cade Cunningham or Jalen Suggs or someone else in the draft, I think you can make adjustments as you go. But right now, I think that the long-term plan for this team is, yeah, Kevin Porter Jr. is the point guard. Averaging 15 a game, six assists a game. He turns the ball over a lot. Yeah, That's been his weakness. But again, man, you got this guy for a top 55 protected draft pick, which means... Unless it's one of the five last picks in the NBA draft, you keep your draft pick and you got Kevin Porter Jr. for free. No, it's a great deal. Nobody's denying that at all. I think that the only thing is, are you going to be in win-now mode? And if you are, how much growth are you expecting out of Kevin Porter Jr. within the next couple of years? Oh, you have to expect it to be a long-term project. He's 20 years old. Yeah, He barely has a total of 82 games, a full regular season's worth of games under his belt. He's technically... By objective standards, he should still be classified as a rookie. So would he hasn't you put played him, enough games. So would you make him like by default your starting point guard next year, and then just let depth be after that, or would you look I think so. to? I think so. Uh, really? You know, there's no, yeah, no question. Okay. Even if you get a guy like Cade Cunningham as the first overall pick, I think KPJ is still your starting point guard, man. Like, wow. you look at a lot of these young teams. We just mentioned the Cleveland Cavaliers. Right now, the way they're structured. Sexland, they're both point guards. Like, mm-hmm. neither one of them is naturally an off ball guard or a combo guard. They're both natural point guards, and you have a lot of these lineups maximizing sets where they run two primary ball handlers. Houston, James Harden and Chris Paul. James Harden was just coming off the season where he led the league in assists and then becomes the two guard off the ball from point god, Chris Paul himself. It's uh, see, I, I don't know, man. Like, I still have a sour taste in my mouth with like the whole two point guard setup because you have to be such a good off ball player as well to be or be engaged to want to do something off ball as well to be successful in that two point guard setup. Um, you know, I think what but the problem we ended up kept seeing with with us was just that the other player when it, when they were there would just be disengaged and not want to do anything on the three point line or just to stay in one position. Well, I'm looking at Cleveland. A lot of these players, Darius Garland is, plays very well off the ball. Colin Sexton plays very, very well off the ball as well. Both able to make some pretty good motion from there, and I see that. They were coached into it, man. They were brought into it from day one. You know, you're talking, with James Harden, it's always been a culture issue. Kevin McHale, his motto was fourth quarter, stand around and hope something happens. Against the Portland Trailblazers in the first round, that playoff series where we had really, a, I thought, again, we've talked about this before on the pod, I think we had a pretty solid shot to make some noise in that 2014 playoff run with Jeremy Lin, Dwight Howard, James Harden, Chandler Parsons, that team that was constructed in that manner before we lost pieces to free agency. 
But Kevin McHale just had everyone kind of standing around sets where there wasn't movement. James Harden was never coached to be an off-the-ball player, except for when he was in OKC, and now you're seeing a little bit of it in Brooklyn too now. Bring in guys from day one where this set is instilled and they're taught to be off-the-ball players, and I think you can have great success. You know, Cade Cunningham, let's say he's the overall number one pick. Have him play a little more off-ball, like his skill set allows him to do. Great shooter, great off-ball cutter, high basketball IQ guy. And don't put the pressure of an entire offense on him necessarily his rookie year. Let KPJ alleviate some of that and come into his own as well. So I would say, yeah, that's that's my game plan going forward is Kevin Porter Jr. is my point guard. Let's build pieces going forward, whether those pieces are talented, top three draft talent point guards. We're going to make it work. You know, the motto in basketball when you're building your team always has to be, in my opinion, get the talent, make it fit later. Unless you're extremely lucky like the Warriors, um, I think that has to be the motto. And KPJ, I think, has the most upside, the highest ceiling of any player on this team. I don't know if you disagree with me on that point. Uh, and you have to build off of that upside. Yeah, I mean, at, at age 20, it's it's hard to say there's other players on this team I would take right now. I mean, he has five years on Christian Wood. You know, like, yeah, like Christian Wood is solid, but he's, I think in five years... Kevin Porter Jr. could be something that is better. I think my main thing is, yeah, I mean, one thing I do like is that if you do end up drafting one of these guys, and we can start getting into the draft as well if you want to, but if you start getting into the draft of it, I think there's a lot of guys that if they are 19, 20, 21, and you do pair them up with Kevin Porter Jr. in the backcourt, uh, they're both very young, and I think they can both grow for four or five years. I think you do still have that luxury of even though you're trying Kevin Porter Jr. out, next year he's going to be he's gonna be 21. So he'll still be a fucking baby that you can still grow this, uh, you know, consensus number one pick, quote unquote, that you're probably going to try to get uh, with him in the backcourt. So I, I would be really curious to have that. And I think there's a lot of a lot of players in the backcourt then would end up looking good. But then uh, then I think the question would be, are you looking for that point guard as your number, you know, for this default number one pick that's coming in uh, this upcoming year? Or are you going to be looking for just, you know, whatever talents there, something like a big man like an Evan Mobley or uh, Jonathan Kaminga or something? I think you go with the most talented guy there. Number, If you got the number one overall pick, you're looking for the most talented player. And for the first time, I think, that I can remember in a while, there's no consensus number one overall pick. I think Cade Cunningham is kind of the hype and the prototype everyone's put on their list. But he's not leaps and bounds above the other prospects. No, I think there's like three of these guys that could go number one anytime, like... Uh... Three or four of these guys I could think. They could Let me hear one. who your list is of My, guys you could possibly see number one overall. Uh, Kate Cunningham could go number one. I think Jalen Suggs could go number wow. one. I think, yeah, I think Jalen could go number one depending on who wants to take him. Jalen Green, I think, can go number one as well. Uh, who else? I don't think Mobley can go number one. I think... Wow, a lot of people see Mobley as the number two overall. Yeah, I don't I don't see number Mobley going number one, though. Um, yeah, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, Kate Cunningham... I I could think maybe Kaminga could go as well number one depending on the team, uh, but those are the four I would say, really that that I can imagine any of those guys going number one. Yeah, I think there's five that matter, and everyone else is just meh. Yeah. The only fifth one I would add to the, your list is Evan Mobley because I think anywhere from two to six, if you get Mobley, you're getting an absolute steal. So. Five guys in this draft, I think, will end up with very high upside, very interesting prospects in Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga playing in the G League, which shout out to our idea. Yeah. 
last Sorry, year. Boom. First episode. You know, this is first episode of the pod. Should high school prospects go straight to the league or go to the NCAA? Hey, they went to the G League Ignite. They got reps with professional grown-ass NBA folk. They made money. I think the salary was like 500000 and they yeah. both got endorsement deals where they're making money off their own names as they should be able to. Um, and I just the most important thing is just in a professional setting, I think. Having that professional experience we've seen over the last few years in prospects has such an impact, whether it's LaMelo Ball, whether it's Luka Doncic. So, I'm excited to see, man. I think the main thing the G League is missing out of all this, I think the only argument that's still there for for me to go like wholeheartedly on the G League bandwagon is this March Madness was crazy, man. I think a lot had to do with like U of H being in the in the playoffs in Houston as well. But the March Madness, just the amount of hype that it draws up and the networking deals and everything like that, I think the G League needs to capitalize on that. Do something similar, like have a have competition to March Madness, like have something like that similarly to, to all G League teams where it could be like a one and gun like type of out system and i think that'd be fun i think the g league just needs more eyes on it if you're if you're one of these young players and if you can have that i think there's no reason to go to college anymore that's it the only tough thing about the g league is the best players in the g league come and go so quick you yeah, know that's like, why you have it one and done right it's the same thing with college how often do these good college kids actually no i mean saying? i mean like in the same season like yeah. kevin porter jr when he came to the rockets the rockets dropped him off to the g league that's fine the rio grand valley for a couple yeah. months right Leads the team in scoring, leads the team in assists, is their best three-point shooter. A month and a half in, the Rockets call him up right before yeah. the G League playoffs start. It sucks, and he's gone. It sucks for them, bro. But you got this is you got you got to do something to make people watch G League basketball, bro. Like there's there's a way. Like I don't think you have to convince that many people to go watch March Madness. I mean, just go see you know go look at Vegas for crying out loud. Like the fucking sports tables are are are, are killing it. But like. How, how are you really going to convince somebody on a Wednesday night? Hey, bro, let's go watch the Rio Grande Vipers right now. Like, I think Kevin Porter Jr. may be playing. Like, it's kind of, it's just hard. That's the only, like, downside I see to it. But other than that, like, yeah, if I'm getting half a million dollar contract, uh, is it worth it? But then, you know, again, at the same time, it goes back to, or would I want that whole, you know, the legacy of UNC for the rest of my life? Which I hope the G League does something to make it more competitive. And I see it can, bro. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, they're moving in the right direction. I think just even having top five prospects in their G League is huge. It's solid. Yeah. So we'll we'll see how that momentum carries forward. In we're, subsequent yeah, drives. we're going to have two guys that this year that can we can say that aren't going to have a college after their name. Like, that's pretty cool. We, uh, I don't want to splooge and empty our load on this podcast, but. I'm always down for emptying my load. Uh, it's a good, it's, it's a good experience. It's a great experience. Especially on the podcast, but. I don't want to let out all the draft talk. We need to have a separate draft oh, podcast for sure and do a little more homework. But this is a fun one, man. And as a Rockets fan, we haven't had a top, really a top six pick since Yao Ming. Rudy Gay was our last lottery pick who we traded for Dookie Shane Battier. But Ooh. it's fucking Dookies. So we'll see what happens there. But even aside from the draft, we got some young core pieces. I think Matt Bullard. On the pregame of the last game the Rockets played against the Magic, their last win that got them to Magic number 15, oh God. Uh, he was talking about the core four is the, the term he coined on the pregame show for the four Rockets he likes to see kind of grow together and, and see where their potential may lead them. I asked you who these four were before. I think you got them, you got them all right. It's KPJ, like we've been talking about. Jashawn Tate. 
all rookie first team select, hopefully. Australia's very own, bro. Australia's very own. Uh, Christian Wood mm-hmm. and KJ Martin. Kenyon yeah. Martin Jr., the son of former ball shiner himself with the New Jersey Nets and Denver Baller. Nuggets. Kenyon Martin, baby. Kenyon Martin. Dude was a monster. What do you think about those four, man? I think the the main one you started kind of getting hyped up for was Jay Sean Tate, and I think he's been he's instantly nice. turned into a Rockets fan favorite from he, day one of him being here. He's like a Patrick Beverly on steroids. He's like the he's like the Energizer Bunny version of Patrick Beverly. Right they now. call they call him like a mini Draymond on he's, Inside the yeah, NBA. Yeah, dude, he's he's crazy. Like it's it's always. It, it's always good to have a high energy player like that. Like this guy reminds me of a Lou Dort type of player as well. Like his his engine is always on. He he will always go up to the challenge of guarding your the opposing team's best player, and he looks forward to it. Um, he's he's a good three point shooter. He's he's phenomenal defensively. He's a three and D guy. He's a great three and D guy, and he's very young, and he has the potential to get better. So yeah, I think there's no net negative in having him uh, on your team. I think again with all four of these guys, it's just knowing what what is your role going to be on this team and are you going to be able to stay healthy in which we can have continuity with all these four players because i think it'd be great to have these four plug in one of those top picks that we're going into and i'm I'm, I'm game with that i'd be really comfortable with that starting five actually yeah i mean the big knock on jay sean when he played in australia was that he couldn't shoot the three yeah he's hitting he's hitting a three a game 30 percent shooting uh he's getting volume up it's 52 percent from the field you know like all his buckets are Freaking post! He's six four, six four, little stocky dude, posting up, he can giving bully spin spin moves in the post, yeah. hitting people with drop steps, a face up game, getting little putback opportunities, easy buckets here and there. He's he's what every team needs as that glue guy in a winning formula. And as a rookie, a twenty five year old rookie, albeit because he did start his professional career in Australia on Andrew Bogut's team of all people yeah. over in Australia. Uh, as a 25-year-old rookie, he's given you 11 points a game, five rebounds, two assists, about a steal, half a block, and he's doing it all And as one of your key contributing guys, 29 minutes a game. So I don't think anyone expected him. I don't know if people expected him to make the team, let alone be someone you look forward to with the growth of this team. But he's always the, his best quality, I think, is he's always got this look on his face like somebody kicked his dog at the dog park. Oh God! He has a chip on his shoulder, and, he, and he's and he's ready to find who that motherfucker was, and put them on a leash. I liked it. I Send like them it. over to the little dog park. Don't come to my big dog park. Wow! Somebody's gonna get spanking real bad, huh? Things gonna happen. Oh my gosh! No, he has a very spanking mentality that he wants to just spank his defender real badly. I I, could, I definitely see that vibe very quickly right there, Mister Moderati. <laughs> And I am excited. I, I am excited to see where uh, where Mr. Spanky Boy Jay Sean Tate ends up in a couple of years. Because I hope he's, he's still a part of the Houston Rockets. Yeah. So he, you've got him on cheap for the next three years. I I don't see him going anywhere anytime soon. Hopefully, um, but we'll see. We'll see what uh, Tillman Fertitta does to keep Landry's signature steakhouse afloat. Oh. Uh, another one, KJ Martin. Man, it's one he's a lot of people nice. didn't expect. Late second round pick. He's a another tweener. 6'4", power forward. Dude, Kenyon Martin Jr. has been a stud since he's been called up from the G League. He's given you seven points, five rebounds. He's shooting 35% from three, which was a big question mark for him, too. And most of his finishes around the rim, 52% field goal shooter. And again, his signature stake has been just sending big men back at the rim. He has been a predator, a seeker of heads 
when it comes to big men around the basket. He shut down Rudy Gobert on a block. He shut down DeAndre Ayton on a block. He shut down Boban on a block. I think there's like six, seven-foot heads he's got on spikes around the King's Landing of the Houston Rockets Toyota Center Stadium. Beautiful. It's right in front of like Tillman Fertitta's like uh, his office. It's like I, I bring this to you as a as a token of my appreciation. Yes, beautiful. my lord. That's beautiful. You know, I can't, can't fucking yeah, Kenny Martin Jr. has been phenomenal, bro. Like this year, it's crazy to see like the amount of players that we have on this team that play like one or two positions bigger than they really are. Like Kenyon Martin Jr. really should be a shooting guard in this league, but he's playing like a power forward. Uh, right like Jay Sean Tate should be a point guard but he's playing like a small forward right now like a lot of these guys are playing bigger than they really are it's like you're, you're pretty much just fitting this team with PJ Tuckers like really good athletic PJ Tuckers that are defensive first know their role very well and I think can be solid NBA rotational pieces like I don't see personally I don't see Jay Sean Tate um, or Kenyon Martin Jr. really being potential all-stars in this league but I see them as guys that can stay in this league and like give you 14-15 a game and be solid solid upper echelon starters for a championship team if they really needed to be right so you all those guys we mentioned let's say and Christian Wood just a short little little talk on him I guess 25 years old mm-hmm. you've got him three years on the cheap man a lot of people are high on Christian Wood yeah. they, this is <laughs> Rockets fandom is Christian Wood is an all-star. He's a building block. We have one of the pieces going forward. Uh, he's averaging 21 and 9 a game, and he's doing it on pretty good numbers too. 38% from three, 53% from the field. But there's just something about Christian Wood, man. I, I am not sold on. I'm not sold on Christian Wood being one of your two best players on a championship team. I think they tailor their game plan around getting him easy buckets as much as they can and in the spots that I've seen him where they try to feed him the ball for him to create offense he really struggles to do so turnovers are a big issue in those scenarios for him as well doesn't have the body we talked about this before the podcast defensively he gets bullied down under and I think he could benefit from playing next to a five I don't I don't know if he's necessarily necessarily going to cut it when it comes to having a starting center in a playoff series against some of these big boys and I don't know, man, I, I just when it comes to an elite guy putting up these kind of numbers, let me draw an analogy over to Julius Randle in New York. Fourth quarter of competitive Knicks games, Julius Randle gets the ball at the high post or at the elbow. He makes moves and he makes moves and he yeah. gets to his spots. I don't see that from Christian Wood. So great piece to have on the salary he's got three years from now when that salary's up and he's 28 and we're trying to decide what the next move is for this team to get competitive. I don't know if necessarily he's a part of that plan going forward, but he gives you a nice little piece to tune into nightly. I think the problem with Christian Wood is Rockets fans, I think being sold that he's a number one option that he's like, you know, he's a building, he's the building block of this team. And I think that is the wrong precipice to go down. He's not right. Like I, I think personally he has the potential to be the second best player on a team. I know you don't. I know you think he, he only has the potential to be a third best player on his Maybe team. Maybe third. I, I, I He can, I think, end up being a second best player on his team depending on who your first best player really is. If you had like a James Harden-esque player... Not saying the best in the league, but maybe somebody that's stayed top five, top ten in this league. I think you have a, po- a potential, you know, possibility there. But if you have like two Christian Woods trying to be number one, I, I don't think it's possible. You know, you made the comparison to Julius Randle. I think that's un- and, I, and I don't think Julius Randle's good enough to be your number one either. By I think the way. he is. I, I, the way I, I've seen him play this year, I think he is. I think you just need if you have Julius Randle as your number one guy, and you have two and three, like your your number two and your number three guy are fleshed out 
all-stars as well i don't see why you can't win the championship there julius is clutch like i, I didn't realize this, yeah, but this guy julius this he, is just a deep league he's clutch and if you can get two or three players like that on a team i don't see why you can't win and i, and I think for them they have a solid they have, they have a solid ask and uh seeing what happens with the uh, rj barrett I you, think, you think two julius randalls and rj barrett beat Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie. Depending Irving. on how long they stay, and I, I really don't know how long of a team they're really going to have, and how long they're. Gonna and stay how how it. long is Julius Randle going to stay in his prime? He's twenty nine years old already. He's about to be thirty. It's crazy. Some guys are actually staying in their primes for quite longer, and I think his yeah. game is pred- his his game is predicated upon staying longer in the league. He's becoming a much better three point shooter. He is. Yeah, he's developed that. He's part gotten of his game. slimmer too. Like he has. He he's. It's crazy. I, I think earlier he had those injury problems, but he's he's coming to his own. And I think he's still going to get better. Who knows? Scary. Who knows? Zion made some comments about wanting to go to New York. Zion gets up Holy there fuck, and yeah. feeds him his baby baby diet, his baby powder, the fucking yeah. little Nutrisystem food, baby food that he has. Yeah. Julius Randle might put that weight right back on. That'd be perfect. Yeah, hey, I'm all for a Zion Williamson, Julius Randle, and R.J. Barrett big three. That's a championship. I would consider that. Yeah, what the fuck, Zion? Why'd you have to do that to us? I love playing at Madison Square Garden. My <laughs> God, it's just like you just had to say that. It's good. It's good for basketball. I will say this: Zion goes to the Knicks. It'll be really good for basketball. So yeah, man, just a little something on this team. Uh, do you have anything like in particular you want to add to this? Daniel House is still on the team. Lord knows he's probably got blue balls like no other, not having played in so long and not being around team personnel that he can harass and get in on. So I'm telling you, there's a giant, there's a giant fire sale on this team. I think other than the four guys you mentioned, I think that those four guys still may be available. Like if you give a, I think you would need a very convincing package to do that. And I don't think there's many teams in the league that are willing to give up assets to get these four guys uh, currently and what they are right now. Um, but I think everybody else on this team is fair game. Like they're trying to get rid of the, them as fast as possible. So, so, ne- so next year, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you everyone who's going to be a free agent. You tell me what your dream scenario is if they get the number one overall pick. Okay. And what you'd want to see them do with the roster because they won't have any cap space mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Kelly Olinick, Dante Exum. Mm-hmm. Wow, he's still on this team. Uh, DJ Wilson, mm-hmm. David Nwaba, Sterling Brown, mm-hmm. and Armani Brooks will all be free agents. Everyone else is back on the books. You won't have enough cap space to offer anyone a full max mm-hmm. you see will not have your draft pick because that gets traded to okc and so you're, you're, you're expecting this if we don't get a top four if we don't get a bottom 14 no no no, no 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 let's say you do get a bottom okay. four but the following year you won't have your draft got pick got it that's been traded to okc and you have the number one overall pick okay what's your dream scenario what do you like what would be the goal for this team the goal for this team would be first and foremost trying to move that you're, these longer term contracts for guys that don't want to be here. So you somehow find uh, the first half of the year that Eric Gordon is playing really well. Some team wants him. You trade him. You got that off the books. You have enough for trade deadline. I think you try to do something with the whole John Wall contract as well. You try by you try getting it to a point where you can convince Boston to to unload the Kemba contract somewhere and be able to take on John Wall. I think that's number two. And I think then number three, your main th- your goal is going to be if you're if you're willing to get rid of this back this older backcourt of Eric Gordon and John Wall, then yeah, dude, go full, go all in on this KG uh, this Kevin Porter Jr. and this other guy that you're able to get. And if you're going to be able to have the number one pick, uh, yeah, then I think this is when you go Cade. I think this is go you you, you go for the backcourt of Cade Cunningham and Kevin Porter Jr. for the future. You're really 
banking on Boston taking back. You ha- yeah, John Wall. I really am banking then. on. Like, they they need this to happen. There's no other point guard I could think of in the league that could help them. So they much. passed on Paul George. You they passed, passed on, on Kawhi Leonard. You passed on everybody. John Wall. <laughs> That's what you're stuck with. Yeah. You, and luckily for you, you know, uh, R.I.P. Bill for, Simmons. Thank God for you, Danny Ainge, that you know uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum turned the way they did. Right. These guys are two All NBA guys. So as long as John Wall can play to this level that he is, he's at. I don't see why. Boston Celtics can't be a top three or four number, uh, top three seed in in the East. I really don't. Yeah, that's that's tough, man. That sucks to be a Boston fan right now. Yeah, it does. Yeah, you had so much hope for Kemba, <laughs> Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward was balling in, in in with the Hornets this year too, bro. Like he was playing so well until he got injured. Like it's the Michael Jordan effect. Oh my goodness. Um. Yeah. So John Wall's gonna be tough to move, man. But I think Eric Gordon, you'll find a good suitor for him. Maybe get some draft capital and salary cap relief. Number one overall pick. You add Cade Cunningham to Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood and all those other other role players we mentioned. Let's theoretically say you get John Wall off your book and Eric Gordon's off your book. You've got enough cap space for, for two max, max guys. Yeah. You know, this is we're not crazy for thinking that this is a two-year turnaround to being a team that can make some noise again you know and and i think they've done it well in positioning themselves with enough assets to be able to move pieces around uh while still retaining flexibility in having draft capital down the road too like what was the number i said the last time we had the pod about the james harden trade i think over the next like five years this team has something like 13 or 14 14 first round picks yeah, that they can wild. play around with. Yeah. So they're in a good little spot here. And I think if you can make that move, Kate and KPJ have potential for being top 20 guys, 20 to 30 guys in the NBA. Christian Wood, I think has, is he's there already. Better. He's in his prime right now. He's what? He's a 20. He'll be a 26 year old big man. Like this is the prime of his career. I think it's, if he plays a full season next year, I don't think it's crazy to think that he's all-star. a top 20 guy. He's yeah, an all-star an, player an all-star for sure. Next year. So, the future's bright, man. I think <laughs> it's hard to say the future's bright when you just lost the greatest scorer of your generation and you're only three years removed from the greatest team ever to not win a championship in the 2018 Houston Rockets. But We just celebrated this team winning 15 games. We just celebrated 15 <laughs> wins and hopefully not many more on the horizon so we can keep this draft pick and we can have an interesting draft talk because we'll be fully invested. But that's it, man. That's all I got. I think the rest of the season's just going to be Let's see let's see what we have in these younger guys. Maybe Armani Brooks of U of H is another guy who long term is this team's backup guard. But I would ask you this, man. Like if you think that we're one star away, like if we have Kate on this team, or we get potential number one pick and he ends up being great, which disgruntled star do you think what would want to come to Houston to play with Kate Cunningham, uh KJP, Christian Wood and be in that core? The first one that comes to mind is Zach Levine. Really? You think Zach Levine would want to come here? Zach Levine, being a younger wing guy, wants to be in a winning culture, a franchise that wants to win. The only thing that hurts is Tillman Fertitta is your owner. So that's not the most promising, but uh, the pieces in place would be encouraging enough to to bring a guy like him, someone who's kind of mid-prime in their later 20s, doesn't have doesn't need time to unpackage and get acclimated, but can be plugged in right away and be that star player. The other guys, you know, Bradley Beal's like the first person that always comes to mind, but I think your backcourt's already set, uh, and he's a smaller backcourt guy, unlike Zach Levine, with KPJ and Cade. Yeah. 
So I would ideally want a wing guy, man, a wing guy or a center. But I can't think of any. I can think of two right now from the top of my head. Two no. wing guys? No, no, no. I'm thinking of, for me, I want two big guys on this team that mm. I think could fit next to Christian Wood. Let me let, let me guess who you're going to say before you go for it. It's not going to be AD. AD's mm-hmm. not going no, no, anywhere. No, no. Somebody Nikola, realistic you could be able Nikola to Nikola Jokic ain't nope. going anywhere. And B, Maury's not mm-hmm. touching Embiid's uh, Nigerian ball sack. Um. This is very, I think, I think this could be actually happen because... Of DeMarcus what, Cousins, no. bringing him back? Oh, gosh. <laughs> he looks... In the, he, hey, man, like, I saw him in that Clippers jersey. I could not sit, think of him now in any other jersey. He fits it so well. A star big man who's disgruntled. What's up, man? Carl Anthony Towns. Oh, yeah. Cat. Cat. I think, I think you have Cat. Cat's a good option. And another option, I think, that can easily work next to Christian Wood, John Collins. You you think John Collins is a star big man? I think so. I think the only wow. he's giving you twenty and ten right now. The only problem that he ends up having is that he has a very high like a high very 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 high usage point guard with him and and uh, and Trey Young. So I think that's the main problem. You just don't get enough touches. And Clint Capella he gets easy ball screens off of him as well. I, and and what well, you have you have a lot of guys you have a lot of heads to feed on that team. Bogdanovich. I mean they're playing very well, but there's a lot of heads to feed on that team. I think if you can get him to Houston, I think yeah he he's a He's solid. I would love to see him next play next to Christian Wood. Yeah, I mean John Collins. If he costs a max contract and he fills that max slot up on your team, I would have to pass. But if he give you if he gives you twenty, if he can get you twenty three and ten, isn't that what you would want from this role? If, if uh, Christian Wood can give you twenty five and ten, no, I, I need I need a rim protector. You need a rim protector. If we're paying him that kind of money and he's going to be in the front court then with Christian Wood, yeah, then Cat's your only then other give option. Me, then give me Cat Daddy. Yeah. Cat's your only other option. I mean, that's the number one. I think you could win a championship with Cat. Cat's maybe, so underrated. Uh, is I'm trying to see if he's signed. Who's the old Isaiah Hartenstein? Is he signed? Ooh. He could be your future star center. Are you kidding me? Have you seen hops like that? Like today's Sean Bradley. Right maybe here, Donatus Matiunis is available. I think he's playing with Aaron Harrison in Europe somewhere. I think you're right. Well, I think he's on the Olympiacos, maybe crazy yeah i would want a front court guy man who knows maybe we could sway uh we convince like the warriors like can, can we just take james wiseman from you guys just you know just like slide him on over here as a consolation prize for all the calls that they got playing us in 2017 and 2018 and 2019 too and 2019 katie stepping out of bounds and saving oh that ball gosh. still the that's, still that's the worst it. missed call in nba history because it yeah. leads to a warrior's bucket that would have essentially won them the game if not for James Harden's James crazy last-minute shot. If James didn't make that three, I think that there would be an uh, an uproar. I kind of wish now that James didn't hit that three, so shit would have changed because I would have loved to see the backlash. The of worst game. missed call oh, I've ever God. seen. He hit like crazy. both legs out of bounds. The ball was out of bounds. Ball too. was out of bounds, <laughs> like by a wide margin. It's like everything about this play is yelling out of bounds. There's nothing redeeming about this play that you could ever say. The, like the best, wasn't. the best thing is the bench players' reactions. Yeah. They're all like doing <laughs> P90X warm-up drills, trying to get the refs' attention. Like what the fuck is this? Yeah, this is when you when you when you're hoping for uh, for for instant replay, but. Dude, I, it's so crazy because I, I, you know, just going back to that point, I, I think Houston can be a really hot free yes, a free agent destination, um, and I think a lot of players will want to play here. But yeah, man, I'm just wondering, uh, you know, which star we end up getting. There's a there's a lot of stars in this league. I wonder which one would end up getting to end up playing Houston. That'd be fun to see. Yeah, and, and I'm still I'm skeptical about us being a star destination because of how the Harden saga played out in Tillman Fertitta, but I think money talks. No state income tax talks. No though. state income tax. Yeah, other talent being here through the draft via Cade Cunningham, and you know already having KPJ and Christian Wood here. So if the circumstances were right, yeah, I think 
I think you come over here and start to maybe even nibble off the nip Ooh. of the China bud money. Ooh, you have to. And then what after that, you can still convince that max player that, hey, we still have another number one pick probably coming soon. So we could add talent, more talent around you. And then, well. hey, when you're in your prime of competing and the nets are dissembled because KD's leg just had to get amputated. LeBron went to go get AARP now, too. Come on. Yeah, we, yeah. we got more lottery picks to use in the middle of your contention. I think this would be I'm actually really curious now. I think there's two another team that's just like Houston right now. Um I think actually in a brighter spot, but uh New Orleans, yeah, but I was thinking of OKC. OKC. OKC okay. I think is an OKC OKC Houston and New Orleans essentially control the draft for the next that's like what I'm 5 saying. years. And they all have great pieces, right? Like Shea Gilders Alexander is he's a superstar. Like I, I'm going to just come out and say it. like he has he's an all-star level player right now who has superstar potential. Like he looks fucking phenomenal. Lou Dort I think is going to be a starting level. Shea is probably the most underrated guard the in most the underrated NBA guard. right now. I, th- I would feel very comfortable making that. Easy. Yeah, no 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 questions asked for me. And I think he's only getting better. So I think I'm not going to be surprised if he averages 30 next year. But I'm really not at the pace that he's going at right now. He's an excellent defender, playmaker. Yeah, I, I love Shea's game, dude. And I, they have that. They have Lou Dort as well, which Dort last year was probably one of the most impressive players guarding up. One of the few players that actually was doing a very good job guarding up James Harden last year as a as a rookie. And have him grow as well. He's good. he's a future defensive player of the year, in my opinion. So And a great offensive player, man. His yeah. three-point shot has really improved. Like You just watch the mechanics. You know, He passes the eye test. You watch the mechanics. He's way more consistent yeah. with his footing on his shot. He's more confident. He, he doesn't shoot on the way down anymore like he was doing a lot last year. And he does seem more confident. He's He looks like he's got the green light from his coach not to pass up open looks. So I love Dort, man. I He's someone, again, he's their version of Jay Sean Tate. Yeah, right? Easily, they're, yeah. they're defensive guy. They're high motor guy. They're emotional leader, so to speak. He doesn't have the, you kick my puppy at the dog park no. look in his eye. So he doesn't bring that to the table like Jay Sean. He's nice. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. <laughs> um. Yeah, and then what? So you have two star. I would say not stars, but one superstar. I think all one all star level potential guy as well, but uh, as well and thirty draft picks, and then the Pelicans. Holy fuck, man! Like this, you talk about a team that should be better as well. Zion's probably the most promising young talent in the league that we think could probably be a future MVP. Brandon Ingram is is first uh, is has first team, second team, all NBA all NBA potential all the time. Um, and Lonzo Ball, Lonzo Ball looks like a future all-star as well. I mean, he's playing at an all-star level, I would say. He's a consistent shooter, finally. So you have three, yeah, exactly. You have three guys that, on a, that's a trio that could win a championship, in my opinion, just if they could grow. So I'm just surprised, like, you know, it's not turning out for them, but they have a lot of draft uh, draft capital as well. So, yeah, man, it's crazy. This uh, The South right here looks kind of looks kind of fun to be in. I'm really, I'm really happy for them that they didn't trade Lonzo at the deadline. Me too. I don't think they would have gotten back. No, not uh, even enough close. for what he is. Zion, thirty-three minutes a game. He's already averaging twenty-seven, seven and four. He's a monster. Shooting sixty-one percent from the field. He's if he stays healthy, bro. He's that's it. Like he's the next young star of the NBA. But I'm still skeptical on him. Much the same way as I was skeptical on KD before the season started. I'm still dying on the hill that Zion's career won't make it to what we all expect him to be simply due to injuries. That body is just too big, man. I th- I think for him, I'm not going to be surprised, but if next year, the year after that, Zion develops a three-point shot and then a consistent three-point shot in the next four or five years. And if he does that, that's all about longevity for your for, for your game. Like, I mean, if he could just be a spot-up three-point shooter, 
combined with the potential of his his driving to the rim, I mean, who stops that? Yeah. Yeah, they just that team needs to get rid of Eric Bledsoe however they can. <laughs> just like the Bucks of the year before that, like you have to get rid of Eric Bledsoe. Yeah. <laughs> sad to see, man, the the mini LeBron James. Oh, sad man. to see what he's, he's turned so promising into. too. Uh, get rid of him. Keep those three guys, Ingram, Zion, and Lonzo Ball, and get you a backcourt ball-handling stud to pair next to Lonzo. And I think that'll make Lonzo's game explode in itself. I think he's such a great complimentary player, a defender more than anything else, You know, before we even get into his offensive capabilities. Uh, and you've got yourself a little formula for success there. And it, of course, you know, 30 draft picks going forward, all yeah. unprotected also help. Yeah, I'm excited for the for these three, man. Like, I think it'll be fun to see the, in the league. And hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I think the main thing we have look, to look forward to this year for the Houston Rockets is uh, the year being done in the draft. <laughs> Sadly enough, I think now, now we feel like one of those teams now that we're finally excited for the draft to come. And I think draft night will be a big night. When's the uh, when's the lottery? We're gonna oh, we gotta have we gotta have like a live like just a, we gotta have like a lottery live stream or something. Just so this is the first lottery I've ever been invested in. Oh, 100%. I've always thought watching lotteries were for losers. We're one of the losers now, bro. But I am fully embracing the loser life. So twenty twenty one. Let's see when it is. Twenty twenty one NBA draft lottery, July 29th. Oh, that's not too far away. So we got a ways to go, but I feel like the next time we do a Rockets pod, you know, really before the summer starts, it'll be draft focused. So yeah, we'll, for we'll sure. Bring it back. Summertime draft time. It'll be fun to find out then what happens during that time frame. So yeah, let's do it then, bro. But it's been fun, man. Who, who knew that we'd actually have Rockets talk amidst a 15-1 season? So it's been real. It's been fun. Hasn't been real fun watching 40 plus losses and just 15 wins, but hopefully these losses are coming and in ways that bolster our future, meaning we get that draft pick. If we end up not getting a top four pick, by the way, and we lose that draft pick to OKC, does, does like this generation of Rockets fans survive that? Do we start losing fans the way we saw the Astros lose fans in the mid-2000s? Man, I'm, I'm speaking of that, I'm just going to be a straight Astros fan. Like my 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 early years, like my summers and this whole time is just going to be dedicated towards baseball. Yeah, dude, I mean, I, we don't have the attention span anymore. I think the Astros... Were, had the luxury of being in the early 2000s where people still were caring about the Astros, the the notoriety of the Astros, how good they are. There's just so much in the world to do right now that if you're a, if you're a team that's not doing well, um, you're going to lose attention and nobody's going to care about you. Like, I, I'd rather just watch a Netflix series than think about watching the <laughs> like a 13-1 Rockets team for three, four years. I'm sorry, bro. Netflix wasn't there yeah. in the, the year 2000, but now you're telling me I have HBO Go. I have, all, I have like, the slew. I got Disney Plus at my fucking fingertips, bro. I don't care about a 10-win uh, team. Yeah, bro. Loki series is coming out soon. Come yeah. on. Winter, Winter Soldier and Falcon I'm about to catch up on, too. So I heard it's really good. It's been okay. It's been okay? Really? It's, been, it's gotten a lot better. The beginning of the season, I was... Not promising. I thought it would just be another kind of like action, mindless, mm-hmm. numbing experience. Because the third episode, Wanda, I've it. Wanda and Vision was much deeper. Oh yeah, oh, up yeah. until the last episode, that is. Oh god, that last uh, episode sucked. But yeah, if you've made it to the third episode, mm-hmm. it's it's only getting better. Okay, because yeah, like this whole yeah, we'll get into this. I'm excited. We can talk about a future uh, Marvel. We gotta have a future Marvel one soon too. But you, the next rewatchable we gotta do, by the way, Super Troopers. Ooh. Or I'm sorry, Starship Troopers. Starship. I've watched Star Starship Troopers. You've never seen Starship I've Troopers not. before. I'll wow. watch it. Oh, that's a great TV satire on the American industrial, military industrial complex. Oh, bad. You won me over. All right, it's, cool. It's incredible. Doing that, doing that tonight. But yeah, man, fun rocket stock. I'm glad Let's we did it. this. 
Uh, you guys tune in again in several months, and hopefully it'll be a little more encouraging with a future lottery top four draft pick. Otherwise, keep tuning in every week. We'll keep dropping the knowledge on y'all. We're here for y'all. All right, bye. bye.